From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on All Souls Day here in the Diocese of Sacramento and throughout the throughout the country and throughout the world. Very, very important day on our church calendar. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad right now to welcome in uh, Alan Price, uh, who is a volunteer with uh, Catholic Charities of Yolo Solano. Uh, Alan, great to have you with us. Great to be here. Very good, very good. Where where are you located, Alan? I am talking to you from Vallejo. Oh, the wonderful city of Vallejo. We just had a, a big event there in September at Six Flags. Um, the, the diocese, their, their annual on fire get together for teenagers and hugely successful by more than the diocese, yeah. I guess nine dioceses. Have you ever made it to on fire? I have not, but I've, I've seen the press on it and I've heard the buzz amongst the youth in the parish. Well, you and I are both teenagers at heart, right? So <laughs> True. we should get over there. Tell us a little bit about you, about yourself uh, prior, prior to, uh, uh, hooking up with Catholic Charities and, and the great work you do there. Tell us uh, a little bit about your background. Well, I was in uh, financial services for approximately 30 years mm-hmm. for uh, a couple large brokerage firms. Uh, after that, my job moved to Phoenix, and I didn't want to go to Phoenix, so I decided to stay in the Bay Area. So you were in the Bay Area and, originally? Uh, yeah, I started in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and most of my time was spent in San Francisco, commuting back and forth from Vallejo. You don't like 120 degrees in July? <laughs> no, I don't like 120 <laughs> degrees anytime. Maybe if I'm in the sauna or something. Yeah. And so, so uh, when did you end up in Vallejo? Uh, we moved here, my wife and I moved here shortly after we were married in 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been here since then. We've lived a couple different places in, in Vallejo. And, and actually, it's funny, um, for the longest time since I was commuting into the city, I, I didn't really have time to explore Vallejo. Mm-hmm. I mean, we went to church um, on the weekends. We did our grocery shopping and the other times I was either at Home Depot or, you know, um, yeah. what have you. But um, it, it's only in the last 10 years, I would say, that I've gotten a chance to really get to know Vallejo a little bit better and spend some time, go to local museums, um, meet some of the local electeds, and, and of course, be more involved with the parish. A lot, a lot of uh, interesting places in Vallejo, including uh, Mare Island, which used to be a, a huge naval uh, operation right there. Yes, yes. It's, there's a lot of history. It's one of my favorite places to uh, go and, to, and take people from out of town. I was just there a couple weeks ago. We went over to um, uh, the waterfront um, festival. And right. Part of it was over there on Mare Island and part of it was over in uh, Vallejo proper. Uh, they've just um, renovated the naval cemetery over there, so mm-hmm. I was interested to go and take a look and see how that turned out. Uh, but yeah, a lot of history, a couple of good museums, and uh, uh, just um, a unique place. Are there still any boats there? 
Uh, no active military boats. There are boats that come in for dry dock and refitting and repairs mm-hmm. and things like that, but uh, I haven't seen any active uh, naval vessels yeah, I there. I remember as a, as a kid, we used to go what we call Black Point, Highway 37 there, and, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. Uh, wow, uh, there were all kinds of all kinds of boats there back then, and it was active. And then, of course, I learned the word mothball. <laughs> and I said to my dad, what does that mean? I said, he says, well, that means they're out of service. So yeah, what, what an interesting place. And uh, I had the great pleasure of going down to St. Basil's one time for a uh, the annual voc- vocations dinner. And uh, oh, yeah, it was very beautiful on a, on a Saturday evening in the summer. One of the few times where Vallejo was actually – I mean, it, I know it gets warm in the summer, but it was really warm that day. The 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 no breeze off the off the water, and and unfortunately, the, <laughs> the air conditioning get kicked out. Either that, or they were oh trying to sell goodness. more beverages at the event. I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what a beautiful parish. Well, thank you. It's um, it's been great to be involved with it for the last uh, oh gosh, thirty years or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we we tried a couple different parishes in Vallejo, and uh, we ended up at St. Basil's, and um, ha- haven't looked back. Uh, the people are great; it's a great community. And your uh, your your kids went to St. Patrick, St. Vincent, in Vallejo. Yeah, they they both went to St. Basil's for elementary, and then they both went to St. Pat, St. Vincent's for high school. That's and right. they both ended up in the state uh, uh, state college system, the university system. Oh, very good. Where'd they go to school? Yeah. Uh, my daughter graduated from Sacramento State mm-hmm. and still lives up in the Sacramento area. And my son is a uh, banana slug from oh, UC my goodness. Santa Cruz. I, I have a, uh, my son is currently at, uh, at Santa Cruz. And that's, that's probably the cleverest mascot in America. Everybody knows Santa Cruz's mascot. <laughs> yeah, everybody wants the sweatshirt. Yeah. Oh, oh boy, do they? Yeah, I got one for Christmas because uh, one of my daughters was going there uh, until this year, where she, she and then she transferred to UC Davis. But she just loved it down there as as well, you know. And uh, and I learned that the Cal Maritime Academy there uh, in your backyard is is a part of the CSU system now. It is. It is. And uh, you'll see their training ship out there from time to time. The Golden Bear. The Golden Bear. Yes, indeed. Wow. Well, there's a a lot to love about Vallejo, I'm sure. And yet, I know with your work, uh, there's a lot to be concerned about. Not not about Vallejo, but but there are a lot of needs, uh, a lot of people who maybe don't have everything they need. Yeah, you... There are a lot of needs, and it's it's something that Catholic Charities of Yolo Solano is is really trying to help address. Obviously, we can't do it by ourselves, and um, Vallejo is you know on the edge of the Bay Area, kind of halfway between Sacramento and San Francisco. Right. Uh, so we have a lot of the challenges that you would normally find in the urban slash suburban setting. And um, it's uh, challenging. And, of course, there are also needs in Yolo County as well. And uh, we, it, that's something that Catholic Charities strives to, to take into account of what are the varying needs across those populations. 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. The, the Bay Area, of course, uh, once you get into Marin County and once you cross the water and actually get into San Francisco proper and then all the way down through San Mateo and uh, Palo Alto and everything else is known for just enormously high housing prices. And, and now that's really spreading sort of down the I-80 corridor, if you will, to where people are commuting. I know people commute from Davis, uh, Davis and, and, and Vacaville and Fairfield and, and Vallejo, I'm sure, because uh, you, can, you can take a boat from Vallejo. And, you know, it's just uh, amazing what that has done to housing prices down the way. And I can't, can't even imagine what that does to the working poor. Uh, it, it really puts a squeeze on and places that used to be considered affordable, right. like Vallejo, and that's the reason my wife and I moved here uh, back in 88. Mm-hmm. Um, it was still pretty affordable, right. uh, but now it's it's just, it's just off the as, um, yeah. Yeah, off the charts, just like anywhere in the Bay Area, and, and those people are being moved further and further east and south and out into the far reaches of Contra Costa County, Alameda County. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it's something that, you know, I heard about way back when, 30, 40 years ago, they were saying people will be commuting in from Sacramento to the Bay Area and from Stockton. And, and I, it was something I just couldn't get my, my head around. But, uh, in fact, it's come true. Yeah, it's been true. And it's, it isn't just cars, you know, they've, they've got the capital corridor, the train coming, coming down that way. And it's just, it's, it's mind boggling how, how that has all, all changed. I know since, since I grew up here and, you know, and you've got Yolo Solano uh, is sort of your, where, where you are. And as much as that you think of that as a lot of agriculture, there's a lot of urbanization, obviously Vallejo, a big city and Fairfield, a big city and Vacaville, but Davis and, and Woodland, between the two of them, are probably pushing two hundred thousand people. And, you know, and so there's and that's it's growing, growing. I know a lot of people in, from Vallejo that have moved up that way in the last couple of years. Right, right. So it's it's a it's a real diverse area, and yet and yet uh, we we have a, a tremendous number of uh, farm laborers. Uh, we have a, a great number of people who are trying to become citizens of this country um just a lot of a lot of things where uh, people sometimes uh, or maybe maybe a little bit in the shadows and uh, aren't it must be hard sometimes to reach some of the people you want to reach that, that's one of the things we've definitely seen for offering our services through catholic charities is that those people are not mobile like we think of in, say, in the in the Bay Area. Uh, they they work near, or they live near where they work. They may or may not have access, probably in a lot, most cases, don't have access to a car and don't have the ability to just go where they want, even if it's only ten or fifteen miles away. Right. Uh, it's it's really a challenge for for folks there, and it's uh, it. it colors the way that we have to look at how do we get services out to those people, uh, which is, is really the way you have to do it. You have to bring the services there. You can't set it up where people come into a central location and, um, you know, pick up stuff or get counseling or what have you. It's, you really have to be mobile and, and get out to where, where the people uh, need your services. Yeah, and that, that used to be the model, sort of, you know, come into our office, come into our food bank, come into, you know, 
get in your car or on your bicycle or whatever. And, and for, for many people, it was self-defeating. They couldn't do it. And now the model right. tends to be much more get the food out, get the, the services out to where the people are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, something we're, we're still learning about and uh, trying to improve on. And uh, I think we're moving in the right direction up in, in the Yolo area specifically. So what are the contrasts between the services you provide, say, in Yolo County and those you would provide in uh, Solano County? Well, there's a lot of overlap. Uh, I think we would say that um, the food food needs are, are greater out in the rural areas. Uh-huh. Um, uh, we're doing more. Well, we're doing immigration and legal services in in mm-hmm. both locations, sure. um, and um, but I, th- I think uh, the the food services are are a little more challenging and a little more need in the rural areas. What are the biggest challenges with with immigration and uh, possible citizenship? Well, I, for a lot of people, it's just having access to services that they can afford. And um, there, there are other charitable organizations or nonprofit organizations that do that type of work. Um, but we, we pride ourselves on um, being able to really offer quality legal services, mm-hmm. but at a very low cost for those people that can afford it. And um, uh, it's, it's challenging, but, um, another thing is, is the language barrier. Our, our, our legal folks have to be, uh, bilingual, um, mm-hmm. so that they can talk with people in their native language and, uh, make sure that they understand the, the process and the, all the steps that are needed to, you know, get through that, that are, immigration are there, process are there other, other languages you need to speak besides obviously English and Spanish? when you're dealing with citizenship or, or with food distribution? Um, I think that's probably the, the bulk of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to admit, though, I don't know if there are other languages uh, that we're offering services in. So I think that's, that's probably 98% of it. So talk about your, your, your work specifically, what you do and, and what you do as a volunteer and what's that, what that means to your, your wife and your life and your family, et cetera. Uh, Well, what I'm doing with Catholic Charities right now, I was just uh, um, elected as treasurer, Mm -hmm. uh, which means I'm also overseeing or chair of the finance committee. So the finance committee is looking at general financial issues for the organization for Catholic Charities, um, budgeting, budgeting. finance, how do we make sure we have enough money to cover all of our day-to-day, month-to-month operations. Um, we are have incorporated a new accounting firm who's doing our bookkeeping and, and helping with some of our financial uh, aspects of the, uh, of the organization. Um, so is it budgeting, uh, looking at the money, um, keeping track of uh, how things are being spent, um, working closely with development and fundraising to make sure that we can f- budget and fund uh, for all of the activities going forward. 
Um, so it's uh, quite detailed, and I'm still kind of coming up to speed on on that. Um, uh, as far as what it means to my life, it it's, uh, seems like it's going to be a relatively significant um, time commitment, mm-hmm. uh, maybe more than some of the other uh, volunteer activities that I've been involved in in the past, but it's good to know that my time is going to such a... Uh, helpful organization um my wife um is getting to the point where she's uh, looking at me questioningly <laughs> about the amount of volunteer work that i've been doing uh i don't think it's uh, an issue yet but she's uh, made a couple comments to me to uh, uh just keep my feet on the ground and make sure that i don't get overextended uh, between uh, Catholic charities and some of the parish stuff and, and you're other doing a lot of parish things work that too. I'm involved in. Yes, I'm also involved in the finance committee there, or the finance council, and the chair of the council, and uh, yeah, kind of the same same types of duties, uh, helping prepare the budget, overseeing the the budget, the review of the financials, um, uh, consulting with the pastor on large expenditures. And uh, it, that is um, something I've been doing for a couple of decades. And uh, I'm, I'm just now starting to feel comfortable in the role mm-hmm. and trying to and really getting an understanding of parish finances. There's a lot to it. Yeah, you, you, sh- you shouldn't have told people that uh, you shouldn't put on your resume that you were in financial services. You should have told them you were a sports writer or something, you know. Yeah, a ditch digger or something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they give, give you a different duty. I know my mom told me, uh, and she worked full-time as a, as a nurse uh, her whole life, uh, an RN, and she told me she never was so busy as after she retired, you know, and phone would keep ringing and she keeps saying yes, you know. And, uh, mm-hmm. but, but Sounds it was familiar. Very fulfilling and uh you're doing. I mean, you're you're answering the Lord's call. There's no. There, I mean, there's there's no way around it. Uh, no matter what duties you have, doing it as a volunteer is it's it's good work and it's noble work. And uh, and think of all the all the people you're you're helping. I always am concerned whether I talk to Loaves and Fishes or Sacramento Food Bank or the uh, Sacramento Life Center or any one of these wonderful organizations we have uh, all around the diocese that. How, who are we missing and how do we reach them? You know, um, and it's, I guess it's a, I guess it's a good question because I, I know, I know they're out there and I know we, we're, we never say no to anybody as long as we can help. And it's. Yeah. That's one of the most kind of fulfilling aspects of the work. And, and, and also just, the fact that it's not limited to the Catholic community, you know, right. we're reaching out to people regardless of, of faith, exactly. and, uh, uh, creed and, and social status and et cetera. And it's just, um, it, it, it's hard to put into words the, the amount of satisfaction that I get from it. And it's, it's doing it with the understanding that there's really nothing in it for me or for for a given volunteer it's right. it's something that you do out of the goodness of your heart without uh 
any kind of anticipation of any kind of reward and and that's the way it should be yeah that's the catholic way uh we're going to help you we're not going to we're not going to ask any questions of who you are or what your faith is or if you have any faith uh we'll certainly share our faith with you if if that's what you want but uh, we're here to help you yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the, what the lord told, told us to do uh, in matthew 25 and and a whole bunch of other places in the in the good book. So, Alan, always a, just a joy to talk with you. Thanks so much for all you do, and I hope our paths cross again soon. The pleasure is all mine, and thanks for the opportunity to talk to your listeners. Thanks so much, Alan. God bless. Uh, we will take a quick break. We'll be back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. Hi, I'm John McGinnis, retired sheriff of Sacramento County, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Sheriff McGinnis. Thanks for all you have done in uh, Sacramento County for everyone, make, making it a better place for all of us to live. i uh, heard, heard uh, Sheriff McGinnis's uh, radio show, and it's always, always provocative and always interesting to uh, listen to. Their Receive a Retreat for Women will take place November 4, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at St. Maria Goretti Parish in Elk Grove. For questions, contact Jennifer Campbell at 916-733-0135 or Campbell at scd.org. Well, we're pleased and honored to welcome in Rabbi Seth Kalsman, the Executive Director of the Exodus Project. Uh, Rabbi, good day to you. Hi, Bob. Always great to hear your voice. Always great to hear your voice, too, Seth. Uh, uh, we're about uh, uh, not quite a week away from, well, exactly a week away from uh, a, a really uh, an event that I would describe as spectacular uh, in downtown Sacramento. Uh, 
the uh, Exodus annual dinner, annual fundraising dinner. Uh, it was a moving event. It was a fun event. Um, it's always nice to have fun, but it was all for a, a great, great cause. And uh, I guess you're you're the, sort of the point man. So describe describe the evening for those that missed it, and maybe who would like to come next year. Thank you so much. It was a delight to have you there, Bob. And uh, it's our annual celebration, fall celebration and fundraiser. Um, we had about 95 people there and a number of speakers, including a commissioner, a judge from the local courts, a couple of clients that we served. Uh, one of our mentors, uh, Bishop Sudo, spoke and gave us some words of wisdom. And it was uh, both uh, informational gathering and a fundraising gathering and a celebratory dinner gathering. Yeah, I thought Bishop Soto's words were particularly poignant. He talk, talked about when he was a priest in Orange County, how they had, uh, they were they were waiting, uh, he was waiting with a man's wife for the man to be released uh, from, from jail, maybe on a, a minor charge on his own recognizance or something, but he wasn't going to get released till two in the morning. And so they were waiting in the parking yeah. lot, and as they were waiting, they saw people walking out just sort of into the night, you know, nobody picking them up, nobody meeting them, and, and, and they began talking about what, what's going on here, and that led to a, a program of having somebody there in an RV with lights on, and you could have a cup of coffee and maybe get a little bit of guidance or a little bit of friendship on your way out of jail. Exactly. And it's what we do as well at Exodus. We don't yet have a 24-hour program, but we're looking for funding to be able to do that, to be able to have a, uh, an office within a couple blocks of the jail. Right now, we pick people up each morning uh, from the jail and bring them back to our office, and lots of people walk and we take the bus. We have a couple dozen people that come in each week into our office in Midtown, and uh, we help them to reestablish their lives, to get a job, to get a driver's license, social security card, give them a mentor, to be a coach, a, a sponsor, uh, a cheerleader, get them counseling, um, give them some bus passes, maybe get them a bicycle, um, a, a thrift store gift card to our St. Vincent de Paul thrift store and get them back on their feet. Explain, uh, does everybody that that you come in contact with, did they first learn about you when they were still incarcerated, or do some of them hear about it afterwards and come to you? Right, both and. There's a lot of information in the jail. There's a lot of word on the street in the jail and in the prison, so we get a lot of calls from people in prison and jail. I go visit people in the jail. Um, and then other people hear about it once they're out. They get referred by their public defender, by probation, by an, a friend, somebody they meet at a bus stop. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be people can come in all sorts of ways. Is is most of officialdom on board with the program? Yes, we have a lot of support from the county, um, from the sheriff's department, from the public defender, from the DA, from probation. Uh, and as I mentioned on Wednesday night last week, we just started a new program in Solano County mm -hmm. to be offering similar services to people coming out of Solano County Jail. And that, that would be in Fairfield, I presume. 
Right. The offices will be in Fairfield because that's where the jails are. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so you're right now you're in Sacramento County and going to go Solano and do you do a little bit in Yolo as well? We'll help people in, in Yolo and we have some mentors in Yolo. So we're able to help some people there, but we don't have a strong relationship yet with the, with the jail or the, the public defender or DA yet. Um, if they reach out to us, we'd be happy to, mm-hmm. to work with them as well. And, and virtually every county will have a, literally a county jail and a county, county sheriff and a, uh, exactly. Exactly. Maybe yeah. maybe Sierra County combines with somebody else, but but most of them I think would would have their own. Right. And last I heard, between the jails and the prisons, there are some on any given day. There's some twenty five thousand people incarcerated in the Sacramento diocese. Wow, in the twenty counties that we have. So yeah. So what is the what keeps somebody, it seems like this is almost a no-brainer for somebody who's getting out. What would keep somebody from not contacting you? Um, well, some people just want to go back to their, to their homeless life, want to go back to their addiction. Um, some people already have support and come out and, and have a family to support mm-hmm. them and have mm-hmm. a job and really don't need the assistance. So, yeah, there are plenty of people who don't reach out to us, but there are plenty of people who do. And, and what's the role of the St. Vincent de Paul Society in the Exodus Project? Right. So the program was started under the, the vision of Bishop Soto, and then it was sort of placed when it began, after a couple of years of planning, under the auspices of St. Vincent de Paul. So we are a special work in St. Vincent de Paul. Um, and as such, we're one of their one of their programs mm-hmm. and you you have a a small staff but but uh, and most of them were there and were introduced uh, the various roles explain the explain the roles that some of your staff plays sure so we have a an employment specialist who helps people get a job we have a few case managers who pick people up and do the intakes and drive people to the probation or to, to the court hearing or that sort of thing. Um, we have a reentry specialist who specializes in helping people uh, getting their social security or getting into the homeless management system so they can get into a shelter. We have a social worker who does counseling, uh, addiction counseling and mental health support counseling. Um, and then we have an admin um, plus myself and then we'll have four staff in Solano, mm-hmm. we already have one on board, and we're hiring the other three currently. And what and what sort of background does because it's such a different sort of program? What sort of background does does a person need to have to be in that one of those roles? For staff, sure. So about two thirds of our staff have been incarcerated themselves, mm-hmm. uh, have lived experience, which is very helpful. Uh, about a third of us don't have lived experience. Um, some come with specific backgrounds in employment specialists uh, and in the business world and getting people jobs and getting people trained in jobs. Our social worker, of course, went to graduate school for, for social work, mm-hmm. but um, we're actually looking for a social worker in Fairfield at the moment, uh, NSW or LCSW. Um, but 
for the caseworkers, it's a matter of compassion. It's a matter of some uh, accessibility and ability to connect with people. Um, and in Solano County, it's more of a mental health program. So we need people that have a little bit more of a mental health background. So uh, with, with employment, um, it seems like that, that's, uh, well, everything seems to be a key element. They're all, they all, all the pieces fit together. And if one of the pieces fails, it gets a lot more difficult. But it seems like employment is a real key part of this. How difficult is it to find employers who are willing to, I guess, take that chance, if you will? Right. So right now, since COVID, the employment market has been strong, quite hot. Right. It's actually hard to find people a job for $18, $20 an hour. It can be harder to get them a more career job, but we're sometimes able to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Housing is a lot harder uh, because housing is so tight and they're allowed to look into your background. And if you have a record and somebody else doesn't, they're going to rent to the person who doesn't have a record. Sure. And when there's 20 people applying for the same apartment, right. uh, it makes it very difficult. Especially 20 people, uh, which is very likely if it's a low, uh, you know, a, a low rent apartment. Yes. Yes. Wow. And, and how do you overcome that or can you? Well, we used to have some transitional houses, and we're trying to get those opened up once again through the county um, to give people uh, some time to save up some money. Uh, we often suggest people get a room for rent to start, uh, either in a room and board uh-huh. uh, or just looking on, on Facebook Marketplace or on Craigslist, finding a room from an individual can often be a good, a good start. We can get people into Section 8 sometime, mm-hmm. but of course there's a long wait list for that. Right. Um, so it's it's tough. The housing market is really tough. Do some of these people have the hope of maybe maybe uh, getting into school? Absolutely, absolutely. Our employment specialist also helps them to apply for for school programs, whether it's getting a GED, getting an AA, getting a BA, um, or a BS. There are some some great programs, underground scholars and. Uh, different programs at the different UCs and at the California State Colleges, specifically um, helping people who are coming out of incarceration to go back to school yeah, and help them pay for it. I, I was talking to a young man at, at the dinner who told me he had been incarcerated for 10 years and is now a student at UC Davis. And I was, I got tears in my mm-hmm. eyes. It's my alma mm-hmm. mater. And you know, yeah. I, I thought, wow, that's that. I didn't realize that was possible. Yes. Yes. That's a, that's education can really change your life. Oh boy. Yeah. That's, that's a tremendous program. And, and did, is that, is that, was that a function of the, of the Exodus project or is that a pre-existing program? How does that work? That's a pre-existing program, but we can help connect them up to it Mm -hmm. um, and get them in and help them get funding and help them get some of the other resources they need, books and clothing and things like that. So it's a collaborative effort. Well, that's that's powerful stuff. I, you know, one one speaker uh, who had been incarcerated, uh, you know, he talked about it. He was just so good at explaining what how you folks had helped him. The one term he used two or three or four times was it was so helpful to know I had backup. 
that I wasn't mm. just completely alone in this. Um, yeah. That yeah. that I was I could pick up the phone and somebody could could help me get through whatever the problem was or the red tape was or um, and help me in a, take positive steps too, but 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 really help me get over those hurdles that maybe looked a little bit insurmountable. Um, just that word backup really hit me hard. Yes, it's interesting how so much of it is not just about incarceration, but also about poverty and also about not having a support network, right. not having a safety net. Um, if you don't have um, generational wealth, if you don't mm-hmm. have generational education, if you burned your bridges through your addictive behavior and mental health issues, and you don't have people you can turn to, um, it makes it very hard. So that's, that's a real part of what Exodus tries to offer is that support network, that safety net for people. Another uh, speaker, not not uh, somebody who had been incarcerated, but an, an attorney, uh, and she talked about the percentage of people that are homeless who were previously incarcerated, and the number was astonishingly high. And in my, in my mind, I didn't realize it was that high. I think the figure she used was forty percent, at least. It's yeah. very hard to live on the street and not get arrested. Yeah. Um, and part of that is also I, a lot of people come in and say, if I wasn't on the street, I wouldn't be doing drugs. Mm-hmm. But it's very, it's not for the women. It, they say it's not safe to be asleep at night. Right. I'll get attacked. So I use drugs to stay awake at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they pick me up for drug use. Now, of course, addiction is a complicated issue, and it's not always as straightforward as people describe. Uh, but I think there's a lot of truth to the fact that it's, it's hard to be homeless and not get in trouble with the law. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the issue of homelessness and the issue of recidivism and incarceration are deeply entwined. So explain, uh, obviously, uh, you have what you call mentors um, who, are, who are volunteers. Mm-hmm. Explain how, how that works and if people are interested, how, how they could get involved in the Exodus Project. Sure. So about twice a year, we do a mentor training. We have our next one in early December. It's about a 16 to 18 hour training. It's quite intensive. We do a lot of work around boundaries, around addiction, around mental illness, around how to work to go in and visit in the jail, um, and then how to work with people once they get out. And we're looking for women and men. We match women with women and men with men. Mm -hmm. And we match one-on-one. So if you decided to apply, I'd interview you and accept you into the program and you'd come to the training. It's over four days, over a couple of weeks. And then we would match you up with somebody of, of the same gender who for you to mentor for, it could be a month, it could be six months. Sometimes it goes on longer. Um, sometimes people finish one person and then ask for another one. Um, we have about 30 active mentors right now and we're actively seeking more mentors. Uh, people with incarceration in their background are strongly urged to apply. People in recovery are strongly urged to apply. But really anyone who has a compassionate heart and thinks they'd be able to relate and, and be a, a, a sounding board and a, a listening ear um, to somebody coming out of jail, uh, likely with a nonviolent offense, uh, we encourage you to reach out to us. You can look at our website, exodus-project.org. Uh, it's also, we have a link on the, on the diocese website 
Or you can also call us at 916-669-0611. Presumably you need a, a bunch pretty soon in Solano County. And we're going to be recruiting people for Solano County. And at the beginning of the year, we're going to do a training in Solano. That's right. Very good. Very good. And are there, is there guidelines uh, or are there other Exodus projects out there? Are there models to follow or is this um, something that, that was put together right here? It was put together right here. We looked at a number of other programs and there are other programs out there, of course, doing reentry work. We started ostensibly just as a mentoring program and then quickly expanded to offer other resources as well. So there isn't any other Exodus project per se exactly like us, um, but there are other Catholic organizations, other interfaith organizations, other non-Catholic organizations that are doing inter- that are doing uh, reentry work around the country for sure. And explain, I know you've explained it to me before, but I know we have people turn the dial and say, oh, what are, what are these guys talking about? You know, <laughs> um, the, there's not a, I mean, obviously it was, the, the diocese uh, sponsored this and, and uh, gave some early support and uh, the St. Vincent de Paul is a Catholic society, uh, you're a rabbi. Um, the, the, the religious element is what motivates us, but you're not picking people who are just of a certain uh, uh, religious persuasion. Uh, you're picking whoever wants to come, come along. Correct. Similar to the poverty alleviation work that St. Vincent de Paul does mm-hmm. throughout the diocese and around the country and around the world, those Vincentians are doing the work because they're Catholic and they're inspired by their faith to do work but they're not doing religious work in the sense of they're not proselytizing. Right. Um, they're not handing out Bibles. They're helping people with their rent when they can't make their rent, and they're helping people get food and right. things like that. So similarly, we're an interfaith project. It was decided early on that this would be an interfaith project. Um, our staff is of all faiths. Our clients are of all faiths, of no faith. We of little faith. We take everybody yep. uh, for clients, for mentors, for, uh, for staff. And uh, if, the, if the clients are interested in reconnecting with their faith community, we're all for it and we support that. And mm-hmm. some, some mentors do Bible study with their mentee. Some mentors help their mentee find a, a house of worship that fits them, that suits them, um, and maybe even goes with them to help them to, to meet the clergy, to, to feel comfortable going in as a, as a returning citizen. But it's not something that we push. Right. Right. And it's probably the, the best approach. And, and yet, um, if people can find a faith community and feel welcome there, it probably is, a, I, I just think, a huge step in the right direction for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, many people do find faith while they're incarcerated. That's absolutely true. Um, yeah. And it's a time to, to connect with God and, and connect with worship or connect with study. Uh, prayer, meditation, all of the above. So if we can work with that and keep that going once they come back into society, once they're back on the street, so to speak, um, all the better. In in addition to volunteering, and uh, I know some people will say, well, it's just not my cup of tea. Uh, People can help by by donating, I presume. And how can they do that? Yes, we definitely need financial support. We have some contracts with the county and 
uh, some grants from the state, and but we always need some help filling in the gaps and the parts that don't get covered by contracts. So financial support is very important and very helpful. They can, again, they can go to our website, exodus-project.org, or, or to the diocese website and put in the search bar Exodus Project. Uh, they can call us at 916-669-0611, and we take credit cards, we take checks, we take cars, uh, donations, yeah. um, all of the above. Very good. You take Bitcoin. <laughs> we take Bitcoin with, with humility and appreciation. Yes, of course. You'll take anything, right? Uh, yeah, that's, that's right. Do people call and say, you know, I'm an employer and uh, I'd be willing to explore this with you? We do get that sometimes, and our employment specialist also goes out of the community and walks the beat and talks to employers. And But we've gotten calls from people, and some that have said, I'm a Vincentian, and I heard about your program, or I mm -hmm. heard at my parish about your program. So definitely in the Catholic community, it's been through word of mouth. Uh, but even beyond, we get calls from people who say, I'm a small employer, and I'm looking for a couple of people for my manufacturing business, mm -hmm. for my catering business, for my landscaping business. Um, send them my way. Very good. Very good. Well, yep. And next year, you're going to do it again, I hope? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been doubling in size pretty much every year. So um, we look forward to a bigger one next next fall. I know. I have, I have. Uh, but we still have a long ways to go with our fundraising goal for the calendar year. So donations are, are readily and uh, humbly accepted. I know on, on the way home, I, my, I was talking with my daughter that, who came with me, and she said, she says, how many people think we're there? And I said, you know, just ballpark, I think around 100. So I was glad to hear you say that it was 95. So, uh, uh -huh. yeah, the, yeah. The, but it was, it, it was, a, it was a, a wonderful, uh, what, they call it the Legacy Center, a, a place I wasn't. Yeah, it's I part wasn't, of Center of Praise Church. Right. And I wasn't, I wasn't aware of it, and it was a wonderful accommodation and, and a, a tremendous dinner. So, thank you, thank yeah. you. It's where our offices are 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 housed as well. In that oh, building. oh, very good, in very good. Town. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's it's an honor to talk with you. Thanks for for all the great work. Thanks for um, helping put on that dinner. And uh, uh, you can you can sign us up for next year for sure. Uh, keep us keep us posted on the date and uh, uh, and the, the training again will will be uh, in December. Early December in Sacramento, uh, the first two weeks of, of December, and then in Solano, probably in February. Okay, very good. Rabbi Seth uh, Castleman, thanks, thanks so much, Bob. and uh, we'll look forward to our paths crossing again soon. Look forward to it. Take uh, care. Thank, thanks so much. That's Rabbi Seth Castleman from the executive director of the uh, Exodus Project. And, uh, you know, if uh, you're, looking, <laughs> you're looking for something to do and a way to help somebody, this is a great way to help, and if, uh, if you feel that uh, you either don't have the, the time, the commitment, the, the passion to, to be a mentor, um, a one-on-one -on -one mentor, uh, you, can, you can always donate. Uh, you can always uh, spread the good word. Um, there, there are a lot of ways to, to help, and uh, the diocesan website will, will have information on it, too. That's scd.org. That's Sacramento Catholic Diocese. Org. Uh, Receive is a retreat for women. The Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry invites women 
18 plus to join for a day of prayer and reflection, reflection with Marie Pablo. She's a just excellent. We've had her on the show before. The day will focus around the feminine genius and we'll dive into how we receive our identity and strength as daughters of God. Uh, Saturday, this Saturday, uh, from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at St. Maria Goretti Parish, which is 8700 Bradshaw Road in the great city of Elk Grove. Uh, for uh, 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 questions, contact Jennifer Campbell. Jennifer is at 916-733-0135 or Campbell at scd.org. Gabe, I see you have the gold mic. You're chomping at the bit here i commandeered the gold mic yes yeah <laughs> no we uh i i have a i have to get a mic for my room so i commandeer the gold mic now i was gonna say i found something interesting that he said was uh that it, it's it's preferable if you've been incarcerated before to help with the exodus project right and i mean what other employer are you ever gonna hear that from no that's exactly yeah, yeah that's, you know? that's exactly right you know, and, and I met a number of the people on their staff, and, and some people had been incarcerated. And uh, I, was, I was really stunned in, in a very pleasant way. I was talking to a, a delightful young man, very well-spoken, and um, asked him about him, you know, what was he doing? And, and uh, this is just kind of, you know, afterward, just, just chatting with people. And uh, told me he had a couple of kids, and... Uh, he said he was working for the Exodus Project, and by the way, he was part of the Underground Scholars. He's now a full-time student at UC Davis, and I thought, holy cow. I didn't know that was possible. Um, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, it's, it's probably a few people, and they're probably uh, a rigorous selection process, uh, but by golly, he uh, he's attending one of the, one of the great... Uh, Public education, uh, public institutions in the country, uh, uh, of which there are many in this area, and uh, like Sac State, like Sac State, there and, is and, uh, <laughs> my alma mater, uh, and uh, you know, just all sorts of uh, uh, to to imagine that they have an underground scholar program. That's that's remarkable. Well, yeah, that, I mean, and, and the thing what I was saying earlier about the 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 requirement of no requirement, but they prefer it someone who have been incarcerated before. You, one of the things you hear from people who have been incarcerated that they have a hard time finding a job or finding a place that will employ them. And here they are. Not only can you help a, a person who's been in a similar situation as you, it actually helps you with that because you understand the plight of what's going on. I remember back uh, years ago, I had a night a nighttime talk show on KFBK, not a, not a religious show, just a, a talk show, a general talk. And you have sponsors who help pay the bills, and and one of our sponsors was an outfit called Larry's Comfort Shoes, and and you go out to the the sponsors once you know every now and then and see what their business is about, so you can do their ads a little more intelligently, and with a little more passion maybe, and uh, uh, went out there and you know he he fitted me in a great pace, a great pair of comfort shoes, number one. And then he introduced me to a lot of his employees, and he told me that, you know, at, you know, just privately, not in front of him, just said, you know, some of them have been incarcerated before. And he, he says, I think as a, as a Christian, that's, that's my duty to help these people get back on their feet. So, yeah. It's never easy to do the right thing. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it sure worked out for him. And, uh, right. and we, we need people like that. And you can say, well, it might be a little bit riskier. It might be safer to do this, or 
Yeah, um, but you know the the Exodus Project is a very good job of vetting. They're not they're not going to try to put anybody in into uh, a difficult situation or harm's way. But every now and then, you got to take a chance to do the right thing. Right, and they're, and they're very responsible, and they go through a lot of you know stuff. I mean, it's not like they're just right. You know, grabbing the first person and putting them right. in the job. So it really, yeah. really. Uh, but this this dinner was uh, it was very moving seeing some of the, some of the speakers and how the Exodus Project has, has changed their life and the, the one was this individual from from Reading uh, who just he kept talking about backup you know that that every time he had a little bit of a problem he he because when he got out he said I didn't know I didn't know anything I I'm looking at the park bench and wondering well if I can sleep there I don't have a blanket I don't have a pillow I don't have anything but that park bench looks pretty good right now had nowhere to go and um, found the Exodus Project and he said just knowing that I had backup it was like it gave him the confidence to move forward yeah know? human beings need other humans I mean yeah absolutely we do. And yeah, absolutely. Now, a topic that you and I always end up on beyond sports is how was the food? Food was fabulous. Yeah. What'd you eat? What'd you guys have? They had uh, they had both roast beef, uh, probably tri-tip. OK. And, and yeah, can't uh, go that's, wrong that's kind of the uh, become the go to uh, beef at uh, banquets. I'm not mad about it. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and chicken and uh, some great pasta some wonderful charcuterie to begin the day and a good salad and dessert, some some tremendously creative desserts uh yeah it was the wisely did not bring the desserts out until the program ended you know and uh, it's like the wedding you got to wait till everybody's hitched to get and the, it was the a cake. room just of the right size you know it was uh, uh, 95 people i i, I looked Perfect. around i said oh, it looks like about 100 you know and and but the room was full but not too full but not sometimes you you read a big hall and you have 100 people and it seats 500 and right. you hear the echoes you know it was just the right right size and a really and i was really pleased that there were a lot of people you know from the DA's office from the public defender's office there was a judge there there were people that really uh know about this issue and know about how how are we going to make this society better if we're turning people back on the streets and not helping them get back into the into society? Right. Uh, the rate of recidivism is intolerable. Well, it's just and also with those people who work those jobs, who work with people who are in and out of jail, knowing that they support this, it just goes to show how legitimate and yeah, how that's right. um, important this work is that, that the rabbi and everybody else is doing on this project. With yeah, and, Soto to, and, and to hear the, the testimonials from these people, some some of them very raw, you know, um, tells you it's working. I mean, it's, right. it, I'm sure nobody, nobody bats a, a thousand, nobody hits a hundred percent, but boy, um, every, every time you can help turn a life around, uh, you, you have, you have made all of society better. There's there's exactly. no way around it. Hundred percent, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's I always I love it when you get him on because he's such a or we get him on. He's such a, a great guest. Yeah. It's and such a great cause. Yeah, indeed. And he's very hands on in that program. He may be the executive director, but he's uh, chief cook and bottle washer too. You know, he's doing everything. Well, that phone number he gave out. That's the number I called to get him on the phone. So I think if you call that number, you're getting Rabbi Seth. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Hey, th th thanks for everything, and that's going to do it for us for today. We appreciate you listening. God bless. We'll talk to you again soon.